Listener Production. Hi there, Sasha Barbagat with you for this extra episode of The Briefing. The cost of living is an issue affecting Australians right across the board, whether you're young or old, renting or buying, working or unemployed. And while we all feel the sting of forking out for a GP and rising petrol prices, new data shows Aussies under 40 are being hit the hardest by interest rate rises and rental pressures. ComBank IQ, a joint venture between the Commonwealth Bank and data firm Quantium, has crunched the spending habits of 7 million Australians, finding that while the younger generations are cutting back even on essentials like groceries and insurance, baby boomers are living it up and have increased their spending on things like cruises and dinners out. So what else does the data show us? And can those of us under 65 expect a reprieve anytime soon? Well, on today's extra episode of The Briefing, I am joined by The Motley Fool's Scott Phillips to discuss the cost of living insights report and what it means. Now, the top line data from this report that caught my eye is in relation to 25 to 29 year olds. So it found that was the only age group to decrease both their essential and discretionary spending. What is it that's hurting people in their 20s to result in this trend? Yeah, Sasha, good day. It's a really, really good question, mate. And you're right to highlight this group because they are the ones really feeling the pinch. And there's a few things going on. The first, of course, we know most in that age group are probably renting. Some will be paying off a mortgage. Almost none own their own homes. So one way or the other, they're getting whacked with the higher cost of living. And we know how significant rental increases and house price increases have been. And of course, for those paying off their home, the interest rate increases 13 over the last couple of years. So it's a really, really tough time. It's also worth saying that group, by virtue of being younger, earlier, newer in the workforce, probably lower average incomes uh, than older cohorts, also then have less, I guess, buffer to actually absorb the increases in those cost of living elements. So if you think about you know, what's left after the rent, what's left after the mortgage, it's fine to say cut back on some discretionary stuff, maybe don't buy the pair of jeans or, or don't go out to dinner. But when you've done that already, when there's not much left anyway, those essentials are the only thing left to cut. And so I think what we're seeing is that lack of buffer in the first instance and the really increased uh, pressure pressure or stress uh, from those other items is, is really forcing them to dig into the essentials and just cut back on stuff that, frankly, we shouldn't have to cut back on, whether it's food or fuel or, or heating, cooling. Uh, it's a pretty tough time for a lot of people. Mm, and it feels like it's kind of a double whammy. If you're renting, you're feeling the effects of interest rate rises from your landlord. I know <laughs> I am. Yeah. Uh, and then if, you're, if you've been lucky enough to buy a home in in your 20s, then you're the one having to pay for those increased interest rates. What does this mean for the future of this age group? What impacts might we see down the line for them if they're struggling right now? If you're already renting, it puts home ownership further out of reach. That's the first thing. Second thing is, while the time you're cutting back on essentials, you haven't got much left. Now, I think we're all hoping the RBA doesn't have to increase interest rates again, but it really makes that so much riskier for this particular, for every group, but for this particular group, if they do own a home. And as you say, even if they don't, a, a, an increase in the interest rate will probably get passed on by the landlord in terms of higher rent. So in the short to medium term, it means more pressure 
uh, more stress, less opportunity to change homes, to buy a home at some point if those people want to do that. It's a really, really tough one. It does also, by the way, impact things like health. If we start to think about cutting back on essentials, and we don't know exactly which essentials and to have, by how much, but can you get to work? Can you buy you know, nutritious quality food? That kind of stuff that plenty of people are struggling with already. But as the price of those things goes up, and then you overlay the cost of finding somewhere to live and living in that place, whether it's rent or, or a mortgage, uh, it makes it really tough across the board. It also potentially changes the way those people actually deal with their finances, not only now, but well into the future. It puts them back a year, two years, three years on accumulating uh, some savings, preferably at some point, some wealth, either that's you know, with, a, with a home or, or, or investing or something else. And so it kind of really puts them on the back foot and makes it very, very difficult financially, literally, but also that emotional element, the idea of, you know, is it worth it? Can I do it? Uh, it's really precarious for a lot of people. Mm. Yeah, it feels a bit grim, doesn't it? There has been one exception, though, in the decreased spending habits of the under 30s, and that's in entertainment, mm, mainly mm. mainly movies. Now, this report actually points to the Barbenheimer effect directly, which is, of course, when Barbie and Oppenheimer came out <laughs> at the same time and everyone was rushing to the cinemas to watch it. Mm -hmm. Now, young people are having to make choices about where their money goes. Why is something like movies mm. winning out? That's a really good point. I should say, by the way, as you, you've kind of highlighted anyway, this is backwards-looking data, right? So the last lot of, last interest increase isn't in this data. Things will get tougher before that get, it gets easier. I like the Barbenheimer effect. There's a thing in, in economics called the lipstick effect, and it's a little bit sexist in its, in its origins, but the idea basically is there are small luxuries that people will buy even if things are tougher. And so that idea of what's it, what's an affordable luxury? Well, you might go to the movies and yeah, it's not particularly cheap and you're probably not going to buy the, the $85 popcorn, but you're going you're gonna to treat yourself. And this is kind of one of those things where out to dinner probably costs too much. A couple of beers or wines these days, it gets pretty expensive. But you can go out with your friends, go to a movie, have a night out for a relatively low price, at least compared to what else you might be spending money on. And so I think what that's what we're seeing, that that kind of, trading down of those leisure experiences. And also too, I think there's a bit of escapism, quite honestly. You know, you mm. go to you go to a cinema, you sit in a dark room, you you, you watch a a fantasy world of one sort or another, not necessarily a fantasy movie, but you kind of lose yourself in that for a bit. And I think there's something about you know, while we know the trend is away from cinema consumption and back to, you know, Netflix and, and viewing at home, there is something about going out to that place, immersing yourself in that world, just a bit of general good old-fashioned escapism. I think the combination of that and that idea of affordable luxury is probably the combination here in terms of what's making those people make these decisions. Mm. Look, let's look at the flip side now, the baby boomers. So they seem to be living it up according to this data. Their spending is outpacing inflation in the last year. And I'm all for over 65s <laughs> enjoying their retirement. Yep. But you can't deny there's a big chunk of young people in Australia who feel like boomers are in part to blame for the current <laughs> housing mess in Australia. Do mm -hmm. you think that's fair? Yes, I absolutely think it's fair. A lot of us vote in our self-interest, right? And so what we've mm. seen is is years of housing policies where governments have never bothered to address the real issues because they know or believe, or maybe they're cynical or gutless, and we can debate that one separately. Uh, it's easier to try and pretend you're dealing with housing affordability while at the same time making sure house prices go up. We've seen in Queensland only this week, Anastasia Palaszczuk announced the doubling of the first home buyer's grant for those buying new homes. 
Now, that seems like they're doing something. It seems like there's money going to those young people. It seems like a good idea, except we know from experience, bitter experience over what it must be close to 20 years now, those first home buyers grants effectively just push prices up. They don't do much mm -hmm. to actually aid affordability. So the pollies get to pretend they're doing something, not actually doing anything at all. I think there's plenty of boomers, by the way, who would say, actually, no, I think we should make housing more affordable for our kids and we should make it more accessible. The challenge is governments aren't doing that, I think, frankly, out of self-interest because they know that most people, if your house goes down by 10 or 15%, you're probably going to be pretty grumpy and you're probably going to vote out the mob who are in charge when, when it happened. And so it's one of the hardest decisions, policy areas. So it's an easy decision. It's just hard for politicians to make it when they're worried about their jobs and their seats because... I think, I don't know, there's many economists who would say, you know what, higher house prices are good for the economy in any way, shape or form. It's good mm -hmm. for spending. It's probably good for the so-called wealth effect for a while, but it doesn't solve that problem. I will say too, just to put some balance in, the, the boomers who are doing pretty well might say, by the way, this is the, the over 70s are the, are the only group who are uh, spending more than the inflation rate at the moment. They would have spent the best part of the last 20 years getting almost nothing on their savings while people bought homes and paid very, very low interest rates. I mean, we know in 2020 and 2021, the rate was as low as you get a fixed loan for 2%. Now, if you are if you had cash in the bank at that point, you're getting almost exactly zero for it. And so for a while, the year-on-year -year numbers look massive in favour of those older boomers. But it's also true that if we think about the way that money is being spent now, but also what happened over the previous 10 or 15 years when it was cheaper to buy a house, but harder to get return on your savings, there is a bit of a what we call a base effect in economics. You look back at the thing that was and compare it to that, if we go back further, then things change again a little bit. So uh, look, housing policy is absolutely broken. Uh, I, I think we know that interest rates only impact or specifically impact those younger people who are earlier in their careers, have paid a lot for their houses, who haven't got much equity in those homes. These other people are absolutely carrying the can as the boomers did, by the way, during the 90s recession, but we should be smart enough to be able to find ways, and this is all on government, to actually spread the pain, to spread the, the policy changes, rather than just relying on interest rates alone to do all the heavy lifting when it comes to inflation. Mm, well, that was going to be my next and final question, and it's probably on the lips of most people under 40. Mm -hmm. Can we expect it to get better so that when we're 71, we're going <laughs> on cruises and eating out at fancy dinners as well? Oh man, will it get better? Um, I mean, no one knows the future, right, Sasha? So we've got that that challenge. I think things tend to get better over time economically, and I would encourage anyone to remain optimistic because the history of, frankly, the world. <laughs> I'm not going to do all that, that justice in a, in a minute's answer, but you know, <laughs> we, we've improved over time, right? Things get better. You are much, much, much better off being an Australian, even an Australian with a mortgage or a really high rent right now, than you would have been being an Australian 30 or 40 years ago, let alone 100 years ago. So things get much better over time. It doesn't feel like it, and not for everybody. So let me be really, really clear before people throw things at the uh, at the device they're listening at. Uh, but if you think about about, yeah, things will get better. Uh, things will get easier. Frankly, those young people's wages will probably rise and probably meaningfully, not only for the current job they're in, but most of those people will get promotions, will get uh, higher pay over time through, through that mechanism. So things will get easier for them. It mightn't feel like it right now. I'm not justifying the current position at all, by the way, but I do want them to remain optimistic because history suggests that young people will get better jobs. They will pay down those loans over time. They will end up hopefully owning many of them, their own homes or being able to afford the rent. So it's really, really important to not give in or not, not give up. 
Uh, make sure you're not over leveraged, by the way. Don't get in a position where the bank manager has to come and knock on the door and say, I need the keys, please. But just, just be mindful that as much as it sucks, as much as government should be doing much, much more right now, things will still improve, things will still get better. I feel like you've just given me a really good pep talk. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. And thanks for chatting to us on The Briefing today. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. That was The Motley Fool's Scott Phillips there talking us through the Cost of Living Insights report released today by Combank IQ. That's all we have time for today. Thank you for joining us. The Briefing will be back in your feed tomorrow morning at 6.00.